Neurosis, I'm Nate. And I'm Ethan. And this is the battle episode. It is. We're not going to do battle, though. Yeah, I know. This room would, like, fall apart. Probably. It'd be bad. Yeah, I don't want to fight anyway. I don't we'd like be, to fight. Yeah, we'd be doing the room a favor, though. Well, if the Avengers just came here and just... Pff, sure. That would never happen. But this is uh, the battle episode. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to review the movie uh, Captain America Civil War, which is a brand new release. It is. Very, or is it? I don't, is it new this week? Yeah, in the United States, it opened up in Europe and I, I believe Asia like a month ago already. It seems like wow, yeah, lucky. And then uh, our album of the week is going to be "Divides" by the Virgin Marys, the UK rock band. Indeed, Virgin Marys, one word, one word for some reason. The space Virgin Does? Marys, yeah, weird, huh? I suppose. I wonder if there's another band called the Virgin. Space Marys. Maybe they just were afraid of, I don't know. Could be. Anyways. Anyhow, on to non-political. No, I was kidding. Um, but our beer of the week is Surly Furious. It is. So what, what is this? Well, you picked this out, <laughs> but it's uh, an IPA from uh, Surly Brewing Company. And uh, I don't know. I've never had it before. Wow. So, I mean, I would imagine it's pretty... Hoppy, of course, and hopefully with a nice malt backbone. But uh, Beer Advocate has it listed at 6.6% alcohol by volume. So that's not super crazy for an IPA. Sometimes IPAs can get a little bit out of control. They can, up into the 9s and 10s. And I think um, Hop Slam is 12. Could be. Could be. This uh, smells. It's surprisingly dark looking at it pouring. It looks darker than some IPAs. Maybe I'm crazy, but it kind of does a little bit. Hmm. And uh, how is it? It's good. It's that you can tell. You can, it's a little bit. I don't know. I was at Surly Brewing Company, Minneapolis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, last year and last year, last month, and uh, the place was amazing. It was an amazing facility. I was really happy to go there. I went there, and I had lunch, and I tried a couple of different beers and stuff, and it was. Fantastic, really big facility too. We're really new. Everything's pretty state of the art, and uh, it kind of blew my mind. It was probably the nicest brewery I've ever been to. Yeah. Well, you t- you took pictures. And... Yeah, I didn't do a tour, but they have a bit. When you walk in, um, they have a big open uh, 
uh, sitting area where you sit and eat and stuff. And it's sort of, um, there's just long benches and stuff. It's not necessarily tables. So you might get sit, like sat next to some people you don't know, but it's, it's not really awkward or anything. But then on the one wall, it's a huge glass. I mean, it's, it's a window basically. And it looks right into like the hoppers and some of the tanks and stuff. And you can see right there and it's really nice. cool. And there was nobody working in there when I was there. There was, I'm, but I'm sure if you go there at certain times, you would see people in there working. So yeah. it was really cool. Yeah, and it looked it looked really from what I, I saw busy, too. There were a lot of people there touring. So I know it's it's really popular. They kind of sprung up here. Yeah, well, we, when we got nowhere. there, there was like an hour and a half wait for food. Jeez. But we, you know, we were kind of prepared for that. So they have a, a a huge bar, and actually a whole outside area. It was a little cold, so we went outside briefly. But that time went by fast trying some of the beers and stuff. Um, nice. I actually had my first, uh, what is it, sour beer there. Like a bitter? And just a sour beer. And it, it tasted more like a red wine than, than a beer I'm used to. It was really good. I had it with uh, my meal, and uh, it was great. Nice. So I was pretty pumped you picked this Surly. This is like the second Surly yeah, beer, I we think. Yeah, um, we had one before. Overrated. Yep. Which yep, is another yep, yep, IPA yep. they do. This one seems kind of, um, it's good, but it's sort of basic. Yeah, right? it's kind of, it's very, you get the, the floral smell of hops, but it doesn't really come through. I don't know. It's pretty bitter. It's definitely an IPA. Yeah, darker though. I would say it's beautiful more, color. I would say it's it's hoppier than any, any anything else, but uh, I like it, and it's not cloudy too. Yeah, it's not overly strong. So, huh. and obviously, <clears throat> furious kind of goes hand in hand with battle. People with yeah, very in the moment and emotional, and furiosity is probably one of those emotions in a battle. Yep, and a lot of uh, fury in Captain America: Civil War. Yeah. I'd say some fury in the way the album, the Virgin Marys play. They play very kind of... Mm-hmm. Some of the vocals and stuff. Yeah. But anyhow, so onto our, obviously, theme battle. The definition, battle is a noun. It is a sustained fight between large, comma, organized, organized armed forces. Uh, the example is the Battle of Shiloh. Don't know what that is. There you go. And uh, it can also be a verb. The fighters struggle tenaciously to achieve or resist something. So what does battle mean to you? Um, well, I mean, I immediately think of war, right? Mm-hmm. Battle, but the, the kind of the thing that makes a battle different from just a conflict or war in general is that it's one part of it, right? And, and a battle can be won, but the war can still be lost. And uh, I think that ties in pretty well with the movie we're talking about because... I mean, I think with all of these kind of Marvel movies, there's lots of battles going on, but there's always a bigger picture, and that's kind of what I what I thought of when I thought of the word battle. And you know, obviously, people with opposing views uh, going head to head and getting other people involved who maybe are a little bit more different, but they get sucked into it anyway. Uh, but when I hear battle as well, I think of actual fighting, actual violence um, versus. I don't know, I guess it could be a battle of the wits or something, like an intense game of chess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just opposing people going at it. Yeah. How about you? Kind of along the same line. I think of, like, two things. I think of, like, monstrous battles, like Gettysburg these or Normandy, these massive undertakings with thousands or, you know, they, I think they said millions in some cases, but like these huge undertakings, or it can be like a one-on-one. So it's very, it's a very universal term. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think of same thing, war, violence. Um, and I guess that it's an interesting point you bring up about the concept of you can win a battle but not a war. 
So it's kind of like the step up or step down from a war almost. Yeah, but then on the, I guess on the other hand, you can have like the, the final battle in a war. Yeah. But there can there can be a lot of different things at stake in a battle, which That's is kind true. of interesting. And I think of like old world too, like when they used to duel and stuff like that and sure. kind of battles and, and just throughout history it's been it's been kind of a common theme and now it's kind of more so I think the for our musings than anything else. It's not really uh, I don't think it, people I suppose people do battle it out. Sure. You know, in certain parts of the world, but boxing technically. But I think in terms of like death battles, you know, you don't see too much of that anymore. Right. No gladiators trying to kill each other. But I kind of, I like this, how we pick a word that when you would hear on a day-to-day basis, you kind of just like, oh yeah, that's a battle, right? It's Mm -hmm. a battle. Yeah. But I like kind of trying to flesh it out a little bit. And And think about it. Yeah. Because with almost every word, I'm always taking a, a couple of notes. So I'm like, well, I can say this or that or... Or whatever, and pretty much with every word, no matter how complex or simple, I always feel like I always end up finding like good and bad stuff because even a battle, obviously it's terrible. People can probably get hurt in one way, shape, or form, but it could also be to a good end. There could be a, a positive outcome. There could be a good reason behind it too. So I kind of liked having these little talks at the beginning of this. Well, right, because I think a lot of a lot of these words, if you heard them in like a sentence, right, it wouldn't really mean too much or it would just be kind of another word but when you mm-hmm. segment it like this it has a lot of, a lot of meaning a lot of meaning so um onto our, our high priority news items we talked about this last week about the apple apple music updating their um their offering to be more what did we say it wasn't it um like responsive or they used all these kind of target keywords but apparently right. um the new if they did update it there's been a ton and i read probably about close to a hundred posts of people saying that uh, Apple music has been deleting music from their libraries. If it was ripped from a CD or taken from a torrent. So what they're trying to do is replace it into the cloud. But in reality, if the music, like if it was um, just a CD you ripped and it was track one, two, three, four, five, or if you just even titled it with no artist, what they'll do is they'll actually, um, it'll be deleted because they don't know what to match it with. So they just delete it. See, I, I get it, and I and I I think I explained last week. It's a little frustrating having a body of music on my personal hard drive and how it mixes with um, this sort of shared library that you can um, access from any devices that have Apple Music enabled. But the, my big question there is, they can't just delete it from your hard drive. It doesn't work that way. Maybe it. Uh, the 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 issue I've had is that some of the maybe more obscure music, or yeah, some of the music that I have poorly. Um, characterized or typed out or organized in my library uh if apple music doesn't realize or uh, doesn't recognize it in one way shape or form it will um not show up on my shared library which makes sense to me but it doesn't delete it i still have it on my laptop here um so if i want to, to listen to that i can just transfer it to my phone which granted is kind of annoying and i wish it were a little bit more seamless so hopefully that's something they're working on but I guess if maybe you're a little bit less tech savvy, which a lot of people are, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it can be a little bit confusing when you're like, well, I have this album and why can't I access it? I'm supposed to access it. So I think that's what's happening to a lot of people, right? Well, yeah, and it should be in your down, at least at a minimum in your download file. Like it should be somewhere in the in in that pool of data. But I, to me, I, I think it's a lot of non-tech savvy people looking at their Apple Music like, oh my God, the you know, such and such CD is gone and stuff like that. But I mean, label your stuff. Uh, you All know. right. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to judge people though. I, I get it. Um, 
a lot of people don't they just want their music and that's mm-hmm. and that's fine so hopefully they they'll make it a little bit easier for people who don't want to spend time sitting down and organizing it um cuz yeah i can see how that's an issue for some people um so it sounds i actually read about it a little bit more after we talked about it last week and it does sound like yeah they're working on making it a little bit more user friendly to your pre-existing music collection cuz that was definitely neglected when they rolled this out yeah oh yeah well, it was kind of, it was two separate things. You know, I didn't have a, a huge, uh, we didn't really get to it last episode, but I actually had my whole um, computer hard drive wiped due to a uh, password infringement. So Back my, up, dude. Yeah, true story. Back, Everything. Back up your computer, folks. Yeah, and that didn't, I, at the time it was something I didn't didn't think to do. And Right when I got, April and I got back from Hawaii, my old MacBook Pro hard drive, which I had for like five or six years, crashed and I didn't up... I didn't, I took all, like, right before this happened, I took all the pictures from my phone, put it on iPhotos, and my computer crashed. I didn't have it backed up. So I, uh, luckily, I'm, I'm pretty good with hardware and stuff, so I was able to hook my, uh, my hard drive that was in my, my laptop up to a different computer, and it, luckily it wasn't, the hard drive wasn't so destroyed that I couldn't pull some of the files out, especially the photos, which is really all I cared about. Right. Um, so yeah, dude, back it up. Back it up. You know I do. I learned I learned my lesson definitely the hard way, but yeah. But yeah, it's hopefully they make it better. I would assume they would. Since yeah. it's a, it's not a, it's not a free service, that's for sure. No. At ba- at the at the very minimum it's it's uh 10 uh, 9.99 10 bucks a month. Um I know you can go up to 15 and have more than one person. You can have six people. Which we're thinking your... about doing, but I guess, I guess that's another question I have is when you upgrade to that, how does does like each person have their own account thing? Because it's like half the music I listen to, more than half the music I listen to, April doesn't want to listen to. So if I download it, is it going to show up in like a shared folder? I wouldn't think so. I think I would have to think because that's music is so subjective. You know, right? Everyone has a different every. But at the same time, they call it the family plan, so maybe they're thinking of. You know, a whole a family with kids and stuff. So maybe the parents can see what their kids are listening April to. April could block you, so you don't get any Death albums with parental advisories on them. I would be so pissed. That'd be bad. That's like everything good. I now. would be like, why? I'm 26. <laughs> I could listen to this if I want. What is this? No, but yeah, they'll make it better. You got to figure. And so yeah, that is uh, that's the high priority news item. Yeah, more Apple Music. Yep. Business. And we're gonna upgrade the other big thing is we're gonna upgrade the well not upgrade but just refill our. Our booze stockade. Oh yeah, getting a little low. We have to get some more tequila. Some tequila, and we'll get a we'll we'll update on that. So, anyways, when we come back, what we'll do is we'll be reviewing our uh, movie of the week, uh, Captain America: Civil War. Um, and again, in the breaks, you're going to hear music from our album of the week, uh, "Divides by the Virgin Marys." That's the one. That's the one. And when we come back again, movie of the week. Uh, in the breaks, the Virgin Marys weekly neurosis. We'll be right back.
I don't know. There's something to get in it. Oh. 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 Bitch, it's something good. Oh, it's a podcast. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so this is uh, welcome into our movie of the week segment once again. Weekly roast some new. And I mean, getting the intros in there. Don't know why I'm mumbling. But um, this week we, um, in our battle episode, watched Captain America: Civil War. Mm. Ethan, I'm dying to hear all about this movie. Uh, well, I let me tell I you. Actually, watch it. No, I'm just kidding. What? No. Okay. So this movie, of course, is the 13th movie. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, And the basic plot of this movie is political interference in the Avengers' activities causes a rift between former allies Captain America and Iron Man. Uh, This film has a pretty epic cast that includes Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, Don Cheadle, Jeremy, Jeremy Renner, Chadwick Boseman, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olsen, and Paul Rudd. Uh, And also... Not listed here. Martin Freeman, Bilbo, had a small role. Bilbo. Okay. <laughs> this movie was directed by the Russo brothers, Anthony and Joe, produced by Kevin Feige, who is sort of the heart and soul of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, and it was written by Christopher Marks and Sean McFeely, music by Henry Jackman, cinematography by Trent o- Opelak. And it was based on the graphic novel Captain America by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Um, the principal photography for Captain America Civil War began on April 27th, 2015, so just over a year ago. Uh, the film was shot almost entirely at locations throughout Atlanta, Georgia for the first half of filming. For the second half, shooting occurred in Berlin, uh, including the Olympic Stadium in Berlin and the Leipzig Halle Airport. Principal photography wrapped August 22nd. 2015 and some extra notes here david leitch and chad staleski were brought on as the second unit directors for the film the duo pre uh, the duo previously produced the film john wick uh, that starred keanu reeves very good movie and uh, also this was the first film to use imax 2d cameras according to joe russo so lots of information this is one of those movies that has a, I mean, I'm sure there's just tons of behind-the-scenes features and stuff. A lot is known. There's a lot of transparency about the making of these movies. So what I just read there is probably just skimming the surface of some of the details behind, behind the uh, movie like this. So anyways, uh, what did you think of Captain America Civil War? Well, well, I really liked this film. Not to the point that I like loved it, but I, it was. I thought this was a, a great film, as usually superhero movies are. Is very entertaining. Uh, they move along not quickly, but I think it, this film's strongest element is that when you look at um, the cast and kind of how it's laid out, there's by my count, I think eleven superheroes. It yeah. could be could be up, but a lot of of superheroes. But this film feels very intimate. It feels very kind of tight. You you feel like the, you're kind of in this thing with this group and or this this duo of people versus this wide group of people going to kind of solve a, a mission or a problem. It's this very very one on one, which was kind of different. And also, once again, similar to Batman versus Superman, I thought they did a good job of making kind of bringing a human element to it, which is kind of you don't see that that often in superhero films, right? Okay, yeah, and I, I did. I mean, I did love this movie. I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of these movies. I'm not a big comic book uh, reader, so I don't know a whole lot about, uh, you know, the how it is written on the page versus translated here. But I, I can say that I'm a fan of these these films, and uh, 
it's amazing that 13 deep, they're still making them this good. And I do think that of these movies, this is near the top, uh, for me at least, um, in terms of quality. And like you said, it's really remarkable that there's so many characters and yet it, it balances everything very well. It's never hard to follow. Maybe one thing with this movie is I think it's the first Marvel movie that you really need to have seen some of the previous ones to totally get it. You could probably still enjoy it if you hadn't, but some of the really major uh, uh, character development pieces and certainly the story of the overall thing that's going on is very reliant on things that happened in Captain America the Winter Soldier and uh, especially Avengers Age of Ultron. And that may be a good or bad thing. For me, it was great because uh, I, I like that they're building on this world and really... I was amazed that a two-and-a-half-hour movie could fit so much in and feel coherent. And, and I know it's inevitable that this movie gets compared to Batman versus Superman because they are similar in a lot of ways. But uh, I, I just have to give it, take my hat off to this movie because it, 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 did, it did even more than Batman versus Superman. And I felt like this one, I was along for the whole ride. I got the villain motivations, what each side was coming from. There was some moral ambiguity. It was funny. I, I was really impressed here. Yeah, and there there was a lot of a lot of meat on on the bones of this movie. They had to cover a huge span of of plot, in terms of all the different things, the different sides, the different people, their preferences, betrayals. Like if you look at everything, if you if you this story, if you wrote it out, it would be a very very long book. Mm-hmm, you for know, sure. and they crammed literally crammed it into. And there there are spots where it moved quick, but they had to, and you kind of recognize that. Um, but yeah, I, I was very impressed with the, how the film was laid out and how it flowed along and just, I, again, I was just really, really impressed with how, like there, there are scenes, I don't want to ruin anything, but there's scenes where just two characters are talking and you feel like they're on, they're kind of separate, you know, they're like, it's just you and them. Sure. And in reality, it's this group. It was just really, really, really well done in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's fun to watch, too, if you've seen all these movies, and hopefully you have, because I really don't think there's one in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that isn't worth at least checking out. And uh, it's just so cool to see how far along they've come, and these characters feel very familiar. And uh, while they aren't necessarily taking any major risks with how the story plays out, they manage to do a couple of things towards the end of this movie, and of course we won't spoil it. Uh, but that really does change the dynamic of the Avengers characters as we know it. So the next time we see these characters together, there's definitely another layer sort of added on between that. And not just the major characters of Iron Man and Captain America, but some of the the uh, the, the, the more minor ones too and how what side they pick and you know why they pick those sides. And of course, we can't talk about this without talking about the two new superheroes that they bring in, uh, Black Panther and the, the newest version of Spider-Man. Um, both great additions. I think uh, Spider-Man is going to make a lot of people very happy. I, I liked the, the previous versions of Spider-Man uh, just fine, but uh, this this was great. This was a great introduction. Again, no spoiler. Uh, it was a great introduction to this character without having to reboot it in a way that didn't feel forced at all. And I think that's impressive. And that's just one piece of this huge thing that's going on. Yeah, and the. The Spider-Man character wasn't necessarily my favorite, I'll be honest, but the way they introduced it, because they, they needed to reboot it, there there's no question, with more, I mean, I don't want to say critics destroyed it, but it was pretty revoked in terms of the... Well, I don't, because I, I like all the other yeah, ones. Yeah, and I, I lo- I've loved the Spider, Spider-Man series up to that point, but yeah, I, the way they introduced it was just so unexpected. It was, it's very, 
they it, it's literally thrown at you at 100 miles an hour. It's really kind of late in the movie too. Yeah, that's another thing. Is you kind of think like, oh, this is done. And I I I knew I knew Spider Man was in it because he was in one of the trailers. And when I had kind of I was just so into it, I'd kind of forgotten about it. And then again, when they when they bring Ant Man back in, I was surprised. And in, honestly, in my opinion, Ant Man played by Paul Rudd, he kind of stole the show. There's this my probably my favorite scene in this movie is this. I mean, it's kind of the scene in the movie, this big battle that happens at the airport of the two different sides of the Civil War. This one side led by Tony Stark, the other side led by Steve, led by Steve Rogers, and uh, the different heroes who take their sides. And that scene was, it was amazing. And how, yeah. and that's another thing we should talk about is the action scenes in this movie and how, uh, uh, I mean, excellent action. Excellent, very easy to follow. It was never confusing. It was never too out of control to the to the place where it kind of jumped the shark or anything like that outside of of course it's a superhero movie you got this yeah. little dude who can turn tiny and then there's a big twist with, with his something he does that i was like what yeah. I, I was just having a blast with this movie no and it, the fight scenes i thought were were pretty solid and and with that big build-up scene that again won't ruin it but it it was it was so well done because when you really think about it these are friends fighting friends Mm-hmm. And while they do really deck it out, it, it it all it's almost comical, and that's throughout the movie, the whole movie too. And my best interplay was between Bucky and and as they call him Cap, because they kind of have this like, you know, they 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 fight and stuff, but it's a lot of almost like borderline home like bro homo type thing going on, and it's <laughs> it's I thought it was really well done. Well, that's why I I think that. You really will appreciate this if you've seen a lot of the other movies, especially Captain America, the Winter Soldier, because that whole character dynamic is developed in that movie. And if you don't see that before you see this, you're missing a lot because those two characters have a lot of background and it really does pay off here. Uh, So that's it. (laughs) Absolutely. It worked. But I think the most the two most surprising things for me in this movie where I do have a couple of minor, minor complaints about this, um, the two things that blew like totally I wasn't expecting in this was. A, how emotional it was. There's a, a scene near the end that's sort of a revelation about uh, one of the main characters' past that I was not expecting, and I was not expecting how emotional it was, but I think the reason it was so emotional is because uh, Robert Downey Jr., his performance in this movie is, like I think, stunningly good. I think in a movie like this that's very focused on action and sort of these larger-than-life scenarios, it's easy to take for granted the, the performances in a movie like this, but he really, I honestly think that it was one of the, one of the better performances I've seen this year. And he, he, it was an Oscar caliber level performance. Uh, wow. Some of the more dramatic scenes. And like you said, there's a lot of surprisingly intimate moments in this. And Robert Downey Jr., this is the best I think he's ever been is Iron Man. Yeah, and he, and he does deliver and go. I think, and it's easy, I don't want to say it's easy to stand up, but he is like head and shoulders above the rest of that crew. But yeah, it's, it's surprisingly emotional and... You know, it's almost like these, like, you almost feel like one of them is going to cry at, at certain points in this movie, which would be somewhat right. jarring. But... Well, that's what I think is so cool about these movies is, like, we've both said they're f- the movies are funny and there's lots of humor and stuff, but it knows when to take itself seriously. But it also knows when to kind of be like, okay, I mean, these are people in outfits fighting each other with yeah. magical powers. It's kind of crazy, right? But um, they just, they've just found the perfect balance in this movie between those things, which is why, I, I per, for me personally, this would be near the, the top end of, of the uh, Mar- the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe films. Yeah, and I think another thing that I like, too, is that um, 
with with these superhero movies and and kind of the Marvel universe, like they go through in in the previous films and just destroy cities. Like you, you know, you see, you see them flying in the air and they're like blowing stuff up and these buildings are falling down. And eventually, in my mind, I thought like, okay, these are cool. But then I thought to myself, like, in reality, even though this isn't reality, but it's sort of a segmented reality, someone would be like, these guys are just screwing everything up. Like, they're just, right. you know, and they they actually kind of confront that, which I was very surprised to see. Of, well. Of, you know, it was, it was remember, bound to happen. Remember, they did the same thing in Batman versus Superman. Which was, yeah, you saw the ground I do level. N- I do not think it was done nearly as well here. I don't think we saw the true emotional impact of what they, what, what, their consequences, or what what the the consequences of their actions, how that weighed on the actual people involved. Because in, I don't, I, I really want to stray away from comparing the two because I know people love Batman versus yeah. Superman, which is fine. But for me, I just I, while they did do that, where they said, "Oh my God, you blew up the city, you need to pay for it," and that was a big thing. I never felt that Superman cared. I never felt like he really felt bad about it or anything, or if he should feel bad about it. There was I didn't see any conflict. And on this. You have people on both sides, very clearly on both sides, stating why they're on both sides. Yeah, uh, you have people. You can see the reaction in their faces when something happens, and innocent people are clearly dying. And yeah, it's nice that we're at a point in these movies where, instead of just blowing up all these cities, we start to ask the question: like, well, is it worth it? Do we do these superheroes? Should they go out of their way to stop to to cause this destruction, or should they? Let it be controlled a little bit more. Um, I mean, it's the whole question: War is hell. What do we do? Uh, and I think they handle it really, really, like really well in this movie. So yeah. And I guess my biggest—I don't want to say it's a big, because it's kind of more of a, a, a nicky nacky thing. But the the antagonist character, he's not—I don't want to say that because he's just a guy. He's not a superhero. He's just a dude. And I just—I felt like the way they dealt with him was so. Like, just so segmented, you know, and, and kind of like they made things up along the way to make it work. But at the end, he does play a, a somewhat important part. But, oh, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's... I don't know. I've heard... A, I Actually, I've heard I was, a lot... I was 50-50. I'll be honest. I was really 50-50 on it, but he just didn't... I don't know. I've heard a lot of people complain about the same thing, but honestly, I think he he's one of my favorite villains of, the, of these movies because uh, he is really one of the first human villains and he's the one who who i mean if you really want to look at it has caused the most damage between these superheroes this human uh who has an agenda which is explained in the movie watch it to figure it out but um while while i do think maybe it's a little bit easy of a character to write i do think the actor who played him daniel Bruhl, was very good and the explanation they gave near the end it worked for me i got it and i think it was kind of an interesting twist instead of having some you know, guy with all these powers or this machine being the villain. It's really just this guy who's smart enough to kind of cause all of this to happen. And uh, I, I thought it was admirable. Is he the most memorable ever? Probably not, but I thought it worked because there was just so much stuff going on here that he really wasn't the kind of villain that twirls his mustache and goes, ho, ho, ho. Yeah. I'm taking the Avengers out now. And I guess, you know, for me, I, I wish it would have been a little bit more like Tinker Tailor or Soldier Spy-ish where they're like sneaking around. But in reality, how, how the heck are you going to fit that in? You know? Sure. That's uh, probably impossible because there are points in this movie where the communication, and I, I was watching this thinking, is literally like someone turning their head like, yeah, cool, bye. And it's like, you know, that's the, 
it's like this at certain points because they have to be like that. So, well, I think, and before we give our grades here, at least I, uh, so I did have some cons for this movie, and one of them isn't really a complaint. It's just kind of a, a thing I want to throw out there is that this isn't really a Captain America movie. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's basically Avengers three, which I don't think I know. Some people are like, oh, it's not even Captain America. What? I'm not saying it in a negative way. I think we're at a point where there's so many damn characters in this universe that you can't. You people when when. Captain America 2 or Thor 2 came out, one of the biggest criticisms was, well, where is so-and-so to help out? We know that they are out there. Where's Iron Man to help? Where's Thor to help? Where's the Hulk to help? And and now we get them where they actually are coming in, and people are like, oh, well, it's not focused on the title character. So that didn't really bother me that much, but it kind of calls into question, how do you label a movie like this? Yeah, and that's that's what I was just thinking, too, because... Cause Cause I, it was it was labeled as technically it was at one point labeled Avengers two point five. Wow. That was like the unofficial label. And when you look at it, when they bring back certain characters at the end, you have the full sure kind of deal there, you know. And it's well, what is it really, Captain America Civil War? Because you could have called this Iron Man Civil War because he's in the movie just as much as uh... you could have called this Avengers Civil War. Yeah, well, and it's very whatever. To me, it's not a negative. But really, the main thing that kept me from being like, this is one of the best action movies I've ever seen was, like we both said, there's a lot going on in this movie. There's tons of characters. There's tons of plots. There's A, B, and C plots going on at one time, and for the most part, it's great. But there was sort of a couple of chunks in the movie where it was stalling a bit, and I don't think it was doing it on purpose. I think there was so much going on that the movie had to sort of pop. Uh, push the brakes and go a little bit slower. There was a couple of moments where they were they were actually sort of building up to that airport fight we were talking about where one character would be like, well, I have just the person to solve this problem. Then the music would swell and it would cut to another scene and then the next scene ended with somebody else going, well, I know the exact person to, to talk yeah. to. And then it would cut again. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, get to the point. Yeah. So it just happened a couple times. It wasn't a big deal and ultimately it all paid off. But uh, there were a couple moments where I was like, all right, all right. I guess you need to say this to keep things going, but I see what's going on. Yeah. It's so dragged a little bit, but uh, it, the payoff was there, so it's not a huge complaint. Yeah. So what would you grade this, though? Uh, solid 9 out of 10 for me. Okay. I, I really loved it. Um, I, I'm into these movies. If you're a fan of the other movies leading up to it, you got to see this if you haven't already. Um, if, if you're a newcomer to the Marvel movies, this probably isn't the best place to start. I think you would be intrigued, but a lot of the emotional... Stuff would maybe be lost on you, but at the end of the day, spectacular act, spectacular action, an amazing ensemble cast, good music. It's well filmed. It's it's fun. It's easy to watch. Uh, high recommendation for me. Yeah, I'd I'd put it an eight point five. Nice, because it's it was good. Liked it a lot, uh, but I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I was just I, the thing is, I'm weighing out if you could actually if if you actually saw this as your first Marvel movie, yeah. I think you'd be horridly confused. Not because you'd have some like familiarity with like Captain America or Iron Man, but just in general, you would know who these people are. But the, the exact I mean, we can't spoil anything. But we talked about the villain. Unless you've seen a couple of the other movies, you're not going to understand his motivations. You'll you'll hear him say it, but you'll be like. Okay, I get it, but I guess I don't understand until you see this movie or with, like you said, Bucky, the Winter Soldier. Um, if you haven't seen the Winter Soldier, you're going to be like, who is this dude and why should I care about him? Yeah, and so. and then there's like little bit villains and heroes that 
you just you would have yeah. no idea. And you that, would really that, have no idea. And they tied those in very predominantly. I meant to look this up because there's sort of a you know all these movies start with sort of a one-off little battle that leads into something else. And uh, I I don't know if I I've been slowly rewatching these movies from the beginning, but I only have so much time. So, um, but they, they they fought like this villain at the end who was in this this armor. And they kind of made a big deal out of him. I don't remember if we've seen him before in any of the other movies. Excuse me. Um, and I remember I was a little confused by it. I was like, wait, because they were calling this guy by his name. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. The guy at the very beginning who like rams the truck into the one building and steals the thing. Spoilers. <laughs> no, it's not a spoiler. Um, but I, they, they were, Oh, that, I thought you said the end. No, no, I'm sorry. The, be- the very beginning. The very beginning. No. Yeah. I know who that is. Okay. Yeah, he was, but it was like minor because I just so seen, he was in another I movie. Just, literally, just seen the movie that he was in. Oh. Just well, see, that's why I'm rewatching him because I yeah. was like, who's this guy? But I he didn't, ties in. I didn't that, really... that was a good. That's a good example. That's a bit villain. That, and but it's all over the place. All yeah. over the place, and I think you'd be pretty confused. You'd and get the the basic premise of what's going on, right? But almost down to its core, this is a. Like a series film, it's yeah, and it's surpri- it's surprisingly uh, character based. Yeah, uh, for a movie like this, that's uh, these kind of movies are very easy to write off as just oh whatever, it's just dumb action. Me, who cares me? But I think uh, this is the kind of movie that shows that there's actually a lot of relevant topics and discussions going on in this movie below the action, and that's why it's one of the reasons I think it's so popular. Yeah, I have to say, a big shout out to uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, yeah, she was, right. other than Robert Downey Jr., I think she was maybe really one of the best, if not the best, performances in here. Yeah. And they gave her more to do than I was expecting. Yeah, because she, and she overcomes a lot in the film, and I just thought her, just her acting, but the other Olsen sisters doing some, doing some big things. Right? Yeah. And but she's, good, she's I thought, pretty. I was like, wow. She's pretty. She's party to look at. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was a good, I thought it was a good, really good film. I'd say if you have seen the movies, check it out. Cause and even oh, yeah. if you've seen like one or two of them. And I say, if you haven't seen them, go watch Iron Man and start from the beginning. Cause if you watch 2008 Iron Man, the first Marvel movie and you don't like it, just don't watch any more of them. It's not for you. Yeah. And that's fine. Not I've never, I've never has... met anyone who's like Marvel or, um, Iron Man sucks. Like, I'd... well, you don't have to like these movies. It's not like a requirement, but you know they're pretty fun. So I wonder what kind of person you are if you're like, this movie sucks. I'm yeah. a, I live under a bridge and hate myself. <laughs> no, that's terrible. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I live under a bridge. No, but um, onto our high priority news items. Um, last, literally, I think just as we got done recording our last episode, Han Solo. Was announced. There's a new Han Solo. Mm. Alden Ehrenreich. Am I That's saying it. that right? You Ehrenreich. Did you did it. <laughs> Boom. Is officially, he will officially be cast as the new Han Solo. In the uh, young Han Solo. Young movie. Han Solo. Mm-hmm. They're going to actually age him and make him look like Harrison Ford. No. But kind of, yeah. Well, he kind of has the same like facial. I see it for sure. And it's features. funny because one of the first movies we talked about on this podcast was Hail Caesar. Uh, the Coen Brothers movie, and I think we both had agreed that he was a standout in that movie. And I had yep. seen, and I had mentioned in that episode that I'd only seen him in one other movie before. And while that movie wasn't very good, I remember thinking, "Wow, this guy is great." And it's kind of cool. You look up the history of this Alden Ehrenreich fellow, and he apparently was discovered by Steven Spielberg at yep. a bar mitzvah. At a bar mitzvah, dressed like a woman. 
<laughs> okay, I didn't know he that. Was, yeah, he was dressed like he was acting like a girl in in this series of this like type film. I don't know if it was like a featured PowerPoint huh. type deal, but he, um, yeah, that's where he discovered him was at this bar mitzvah, and he approached him, and and I, they ended up signing a deal for him to work under his company. You're right, and I personally, I'm excited for it, but I think the overall sentiment I've seen in terms of reactions to this news is 99% of people, and understandably so, are saying, who? Yeah. Who is this guy? But I think for filling the shoes of somebody like Harrison Ford, I think it's nearly impossible, but you cannot cast somebody who is well-known. You cannot cast somebody who's well-known. And all the other people that were in the running were were well-known or just about there. You know, because yeah. there's about what six, six mm-hmm. or so guys. Yeah, we talked about this before. And I think to me, you, like you said, you kind of have to be an unknown. Well, because but he's other... gifted. He's a oh, gifted actor, and that's absolutely. the thing. I don't, most people we we talked about it on this very show. I think we both agreed. Hail Caesar's not a film a lot of people are going to watch. Uh, yeah, for a probably it's Cohen, the Coen Brothers. But well, it's funny because speaking of Hail Caesar, I think this and Civil War and The Witch are my three favorite movies of the year so far. Okay. I digress. Alden Arrow. Early top ten. Really early top ten. We should do Actually, like a... That's, that's so bad. We should mid-year. do like a mid-year. Yeah. yeah. We could do that. I need to watch a lot of movies then. Anyways, but... Way to go. But um, I think... Um, I, I don't know. I think it's good to pick an unknown because for such an iconic role, if you pick somebody who's well-known, you have an idea of who these people are. Even the best actor in the world who is in a different role every time... That's that's a reputation right there. You're always even somebody like Tom Hardy, who is very much a chameleon actor. Um, that's somebody who is is so recognizable that in the back of your mind, no matter how good he is, it's like it's Tom Hardy, right? Yeah. But with this dude Alden Ehrenreich, so few people have seen him in movies that he has the potential to be like. Well, maybe he doesn't exactly look like uh, Harrison Ford, but uh, as a lot of movies in 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 history have shown that. You don't need somebody who looks like somebody as long as they embody it right. That's all that really matters. Yeah. So I'm pumped about I think he's a great choice. I think, And I think he's honestly up to it. I know. And the thing is, most people don't know his, his skill. Like, you know, a lot of people don't know him as an actor, but a lot of people didn't know Harrison Ford when he took over the role. Oh, yeah. He was literally... People forget that. People yeah, are, he was fixing George Lucas's office a, door. Yeah, he was a carpenter. Because he was a failed actor. Well, he was in a couple of movies, but he was in American Graffiti, George Lucas's, uh, one, not his first, but his second film, and uh, he was in a couple of other movies as well, but he assumed that, I mean, he was like 35 when they made the yeah. first Star Wars, and absolutely, and people are like, ooh, well, Harrison Ford, you can't replace Harrison Ford, but you have to remember, he's only Harrison Ford because of Star Wars. Before that, he was really nobody. Yeah. And uh, that's 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 the way to approach this. We saw it with The Force Awakens. Uh, you know, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega were practically no-namers. They had both been in a couple of things here and there, but uh, if you would have picked well-known actors or actresses, <laughs> it wouldn't have worked as well because we would have had too many pre- uh, preconceived notions about how they should act, what they should do, blah, blah, blah. When I think when, you, when you're dealing with, like, a huge series like Star Wars where it's, like, so... I mean, think about the amount of talk that went into this podcast alone about you know the we're most, just two dudes in a grung, grungy basement you know, yeah and that was that was think about that talk and just think about the anticipation around it and that was when this movie came out that was the theme like you can't really put someone who's like brand name marquee in that type of movie because 
they kind of already have a, it's almost like, you know, the, the die has already been cast. Sure. Whereas with this, and again, Alden, I don't know that he's like an unknown quantity necessarily, but I, I hope, I hope he'll become a, a massively known quantity. Right. And this could define his career, though. I have to say, I have to say that, though. Well, sure, and I think he he's aware of that and 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 everything. Um, but I, I think Disney. I, I after seeing how great the Force Awakens is, I think people are pretty confident in general about Disney's direction with Star Wars because of a, a lot of the the questions going into that movie was how seriously are they taking this? How you know what are they, and just not just in terms of looks and music and all that, but the story itself and. One thing that was surprising to me about The Force Awakens was how little it used the classic characters, Han, Leia, Luke, as a crutch. Those characters, uh, this isn't, if you haven't seen The Force Awakens by now, I don't care if I spoil it for you because you're crazy. But um, Han Solo dies. Jesus, there we go, he does. Um, but <laughs> but um, that movie didn't, it didn't lean on them. Yeah. The, the movie opened. The movie spends the first 45 minutes on these characters we've never seen before. It very easily could have been like, it could have opened up with like, remember Han Solo? Here he is. Only he's old now. Let's follow him for the next two hours. <laughs> but they were confident enough with the story that they knew what they were doing. And while, of course, this Han Solo prequel movie, it, it uh, it's a totally different concept. I think having seen The Force Awakens, I feel more positive about this. Yeah. Major major life step for him though. Oh, can you imagine? I, 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 oh, you know, it's his to his. Uh, I was uh, the HBO series Hard Knocks, which follows an NFL team during preseason. Wasn't that Ballers? No, that's well. No, this is like a, a reality. This is like an actual. Because there's a show Ballers. Ballers right? is like the the rock, the right? fake version of what they think the like NFL the entourage of it. Yeah, NFL. pretty much. But HBO Hard Knocks is like they actually it's a documentary series, and I love documentaries. Uh, about like an NFL nerd. team, yeah, documentary nerd. <laughs> no, but and the the one uh, the best one is the Miami Dolphins. Um, she was thinking it was like two years ago, but the guy gets the starting quarterback job, and the center his center turns to him and says, "Well, it's yours now. Don't fuck it up." And I feel like that's like what that's Alden Einreich right now. You got well, the, think it's just like um don't for, fuck the, it up, for Green Bay Packers after you have Brett Favre, who's one of the most legendary quarterbacks in history. You get this. This, you know, guy who who sat he's been sitting on the bench for five years after he was picked the last pick of the first round in the draft, and everyone's like, "Who's this guy? What's he gonna do?" And of course, you know, he nailed it. So hopefully, he it hopefully, up. Alden Ehrenreich is a is more of a Aaron Rodgers and less of a Jay Cutler. I'm a Packer fan. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the last um, high priority news item we'll cover it real quick is the um, the Dark Tower. Ooh, have to touch on that officially. Has begun filming per Instagram, which apparently is now a credible news source. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actress Catherine Winnick, she's in the show Vikings, apparently. Yep, she posted a picture on set, mm-hmm. and I was out. She was like standing by a trailer. It looked like she was covering her or somebody's name up, and it said yep. the Dark Tower. Yep, and apparently they're in Cape Town, South Africa, filming right now. I don't know if Idris Elba is there, who's playing the, the main character. I don't know if Matthew McConaughey is there, who's playing one of the other main characters. Uh, we know nothing. There's very little known about the cast scene. If you're familiar with the Dark Tower books by Stephen King, there's a lot of major characters in that. And uh, as far as I could tell, there's been very little official news for the casting. I have a feeling 
this is going to be a trend with this project, even though the movie is slated to release in 2017 in February. Uh, I almost guarantee it gets pushed back. Um, and just in general, I feel like this is going to be kept pretty heavily under wraps. Yeah. I don't think it's going to, they're not going to reveal a whole lot. Uh, or it's going to be revealed in small pieces. And I think if you've read The Dark Tower, if you're interested, uh, it's kind of appropriate. I've read the, the books a couple times. They're fantastic. I can't believe this is actually getting made after. If you've been following this, it's almost been made about 10 times in the last couple of years. So to see that picture with this actress standing there, looking at this sign that says The Dark Tower, and you can go and it has its own Wikipedia page, Dark Tower Film 2017, it's crazy. This is crazy. Yeah. And I was actually more, you mentioned and we talked about, she's a very attractive young lady. And I was more more excited about a, like a tiny portion of that picture that just said the Dark Tower. Than her? Just to see that it was it was there. Yeah. And and yeah, I think it'll, it'll I, I highly doubt it's actually going to debut on its debut date. You mentioned before, it's a very deep oh, man. plot. And I, of, I still think there's of a, things to cover. There's a lot of questions about, um, the, the format of this, because the last time it was actually very close to being made before with uh, Javier Bardem and um, I want to say Russell Crowe was attached and Ron Howard was going to direct. The way they were going to do it was a movie, ten, like 10 episode TV series, another movie. Uh, I don't know if they're keeping that format. That would certainly be a very new, new concept yeah. to try out. Um, I don't know much about that. Apparently they're... If you again, if you're familiar with these books, apparently they're starting not at the beginning of the first book, but at a later book, which kind of makes sense if you've read the books again. Uh, so I mean, there's just nobody really knows with this with nice. what it's going to be like, and that's pretty can't exciting. wait. Yeah, can't dude. wait. That'll be the movie of the week in like a year. <laughs> in like a year, we'll be here. Don't you worry. I hope so. But yeah, when we up next, we're going to review our. When do we do top ten? By the numbers, uh, bro. So by the numbers, our weekly segment where we review the top five grossing movies in these United States of America and the occasional flops that do occur in modern <laughs> cinema. I am beep. You, no, you, oh, I can't say that. You're going to have to edit censor that, that. Mark the time. Mark the time. But um, I'll start out. Number five was Keanu from Warner Brothers. It grossed a total of $3.2 million, uh, bringing its total to an even 50, well, not even, uh, point, 15.3 Three million dollars, just over its fifteen million dollar budget. There you go, broke even. That it did, and so then number four is the Huntsman: Winter's War. In its what is it third week, made three point nine million this week, just under four, uh, with a total gross of forty million on a budget of one hundred and fifteen. This flop. This puppy flopped. Yeah. Oof. Bummer. Bad timing too. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just, and I, I, we've said it before, and we'll say it again. It's just it didn't seem like a movie many people were asking for. And while it didn't look terrible, I don't know much about it. I would like to see it someday because I like to see every movie I can. It just doesn't interest me that much. No. So I don't know. Unfortunate. Because yeah. there's a lot of big names in there. Jessica Chastain, Emily Blunt, Charlize Theron, yeah, oh, Chris Hemsworth. Really expensive cast, no doubt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Unlike our, our next scene, well, expensive cast, but at a discount. Mother's Day. <laughs> Um, and it is the number three film in its fourth week. It uh, grossed a total of eleven million dollars, bringing its total gross to twenty-two point eight million on a twenty-five million dollar budget. So it's still a little ways to creep up to make even. 
Right, and the fact they had they had to release this the week before Mother's Day because they were afraid of going head to head with Captain America, uh, you know, didn't hurt, didn't help it. I don't yeah. think so. Bummer. DVD right. sales, who knows? Yeah, probably. This is one you'll see at like Goodwill for the next for the rest of your life, probably. Um, number two is the movie we talked about last week, The Jungle Book, which is in its fourth week. Again, dude, these kids' movies stay in the top five for freaking ever. Yeah. And this movie made uh, $24.4 million this weekend uh, for a total of $287 million. Incredible. Awesome. Dude, real hit, and it's kind of fun there. The director, John Favreau, he did, two, he did the first two Iron Man films. He was in all three Iron Man films. So he's got connection to that there, uh, Disney. And it's funny because the top two movies this, this week are both uh, Disney pictures. Money. It's cool the Jungle Book's doing so well because it's a solid film. No, I thought I was blown away. Yeah, it was great. Very, very blown away. Um, and number one, of course, is the movie of the week, Captain America Civil War. Uh, grossed a total of $179.1 million uh, and a total of 4,200 theaters. Um, and its uh, total budget then, uh, well, obviously, its total gross is 179 and its budget is $250 million. And I, I believe I read worldwide that it's already made just under seven hundred million. Wow! Um, so this will this will hit a billion worldwide easily. No. Um, and there's really nothing coming out this weekend because people are afraid to go up against it. So I'm sure this will be number one next week too. I bet. Yeah, and then I think two or three weeks down the road, there's a few films I could. Mm-hmm. X Men Apocalypse. X Men, and then I think the week X Men comes out, there's another. Was it the 20th? Damn, another freaking comic. Didn't we figure last week that there's like six comic book movies coming out this year? Yeah. That's crazy. Lots of them. Deadpool just came out on Blu-ray. Boom. Go pick that up. I would love to, but, you know, gotta eat. Gotta eat, son. <laughs> and so do we. But no, we're, um, we'll be right back with uh, our album of the week. Again, in the breaks, you're hearing music from the Virgin Marys. That's one word, not two. That's a good point. I don't know why they did that. Science. (laughs) Science and trademarks, man. All right, we'll be right back again. We've been Roses. I'd rather have the anarchy than hail. I'm tempted by the old friends in my mind. However far I go, they're right behind. I cannot find I left them all behind That was an improvised, improvised song by, yeah. by Weekly Neurosis. Review that. Yeah. No. Ten, ten, bro. Ten. Ten out of ten. But on to our album of the week section this week, we reviewed the album by the Virgin Mary's Divides, mm-hmm. which is a very, very new release. I think it's this week. May 6th? May 6th. So mm-hmm. pretty new. So, um, of course, the album is Divides, and the background is the Virgin Marys are an English rock band that consists of three members. They formed in 2009 and generally have a hard rock, punk rock, and grungy sound that has made them fairly popular in some crowds 
who love more classic rock. Uh, Divides is their second studio album and was released in 2016. Uh, it was produced by Gil Norton, who's previously worked with the Pixies and the Foo Fighters. Pretty uh, highbrow bands. Fairly high, yeah. yeah. So, Ethan, what did you think of this album? Um, well, not my favorite. Didn't care for it that much. Um, okay, because, I mean, okay, the thing with this band is I, I don't want to, I, I don't like to, to, to put people down or anything. I just feel like the sound that this band is going for is vi- it's very dated. It's very sort of old school. It's tried and true. It's been done a hundred times. And I think as a result, I don't think necessarily what the band is doing is bad. I just think it is boring. I just think it's dull. I think we've heard it a hundred times. But at the same time, like if this is your jam, if you're into this sort of hard rock, punk rock edge stuff, you're probably really going to like this. And and there were two or three songs in here I genuinely liked a lot, but there was way too many ballads and there really wasn't any of those that I liked outside of maybe a couple here and there. But uh, for the most part, I found this album pretty dull, pretty forgettable, uh, very much by the numbers um, and not in the box office sense. Uh, Just sort of a... Not, not. I mean, I like this kind of music, so it kind of bummed me out because I listened to it a bunch of times, just waiting for it to click. And honestly, it did grow on me a little bit the more I listened to it, and I had a couple songs stuck in my head. But overall, just unfortunately, just kind of dull for me, and not something I think I'm really gonna go back to that much. How about you? I mean, I was in the same boat. I and for me again, I think this band is really skilled. Sure, I think that their vocalist is very unique. I think they have kind of a somewhat repeated but unique sound but they they went way too safe that was my whole thing with this album it was is it was way too safe you know most front to back um and i agree with you it was just it was, at points it was just boring i mean it, to me i was very disappointed in them because i listened to their first album um i don't recall the name of it but it, i'm on it you're on it but they and that they were kind of they had an edge to them and it was almost as if in their second album they just lost yeah, their first, first album was called King of Conflict. Yes, and that was a good album. I, I have not heard it. And I, honestly, I very much enjoyed that album. I, I didn't dislike this enough that I'm going to write them off. I yeah. will listen to that album, especially after hearing you say that. It's better than this one. But yeah, dude, it's just a bummer. here. Like, I like this rock and roll sound, but it's it's kind of ironic that I hear some, you know, generally older people who are into... The, they're very, and I get this. They're very into the, the type of music they listen to. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. Uh, and, and it's weird seeing a band like this hailed as like, oh, they're they're keeping rock and roll alive. But when I hear it, I'm like, they're keeping something that's been done before alive. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think that the, they do anything special with it. And if you're going to be this safe, which I think that's a great word for this, if you're going to be this safe and, and with this rock and roll punk sound, you have to be like extraordinarily talented, and I think yeah. I think an example of somebody who isn't really in the same genre, but who has this sort of clean, perfected sound in a genre is Joe Bonamassa. He's a blues guitarist and singer. While he does pretty much zero in terms of innovation, he's so unbelievably talented that his music is it excels and is great. But with these guys, while well, they're absolutely talented, they don't do anything with these songs that captures my attention in any specific way. Yeah, and I think when when you look at Joe Bonamassa, I mean, he he still sells out or comes close to selling out pretty decent-sized venues. 
because I, I think he really, when it comes down to it, he's like a one in a million type guitarist. You know, he's very, very gifted, was probably born to play guitar, that type of deal. These guys, I don't want to say they're one in a million because they're really not. Maybe they're one in a hundred or a thousand, but they don't have that skill set yet. They could they could get there. Well, they the thing is they might. They I'm, might, and that's the thing is they're young but in they, terms of being. No, a band. I, I think even right now they might have the talent, but this particular collection of songs does not prove that to me. Yeah, because there's no level of grit in this album whatsoever. Outside, I would argue outside of some of the vocals. Yeah, like and the, I, yeah, it's a lot of it's very sing songy and melodic. But when he gets into it, it's during some of the choruses and some of the the, the harder parts when he's yelling more and he's emoting. That were, those were the moments on this where I was like, whoa, this dude, these guys are into it. Like, I wish I believed them a little bit more. I wish they weren't just trying to fit the bill and they were just having more fun with it. Yeah. And I, I, I hate to do this, but I think this points back to the producer. Cause I, and I, again, I hate to do that, but it, these guys are gifted. Like, they, if, you, if you listen to their previous album, there's something there that you could expand upon. And they, they just didn't. I, it was... And I feel bad, kind of dogging them because I like the first album. But well, right. So let's talk eh. about some of the song, like some of the songs in this album. Then um, I think the first, the fir- the first half of the album to me was stronger. The opening song in here, "Push the Pedal," I think, in terms of this talk about safety and stuff, this is the very definition of it. Book really, yeah. no- nothing of nothing about it struck me except for it's kind of catchy. It's got a cool guitar riff, blah blah blah. But whatever. But the three songs, songs number two, three, and four, which are titled For You, My Love, Halo and Her Silhouette, and Free to Do Whatever They Say, that's, that, that series of songs right there, those three songs, that's my favorite on the album. And even the song Free to Do Whatever They Say is a song I genuinely really, really like. And I think that's more of a punky song. And I really dug that, and I kept, that's one I will keep in my collection and listen to again and again. Yeah, and for me, those the, my favorite part was probably the first four songs. I, same with you. I liked my favorite song is "For You, My Love." Okay, I, I just something about that kind of clicked for me. But yeah, it was it was just kind of. I mean, I don't want to say it was a downhill slide from there, but because oh, what about it, the song it, "I Want to Take You Home," which was yeah. it was a more upbeat song, but like the lyrics were so dumb, and it was all about taking this girl home and getting. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's party. It's rock. It's really embodies rock and roll. But again, we've heard this before, and to me, it just felt like these guys were sitting down writing songs, going, "Well, we're rock and roll, right? What can we sing about that's rock and roll? How about this?" And it just doesn't seem real to me it just came Doesn't off click. as corny and just meh and then there's too many ballads on this album and they were just yeah. so boring the well, old... and, and again we go back to this band that's not i don't think that's their strength i really don't think that's their strength I, and I, I i compare them a lot to the the rock band that i am probably the biggest fan of the the rival sons and they very i mean they'll they'll toy around with ballads in that band with the rival sons they they don't do it to this extent, and again you went back to that. It ties into that whole skill level of Joe Bonamas. They they can't touch that. They no. I mean, that's that's not them. This is not them. And I think maybe if I want to talk about high points on the album, the last two songs were pretty. Motherless Land, yeah, um, w- was pretty good. I think it had a really catchy chorus. And then the last song on here, which is the longest song, and it's kind of the most epic, if you want to use that word. Um, sort of the, the the biggest song on here, and while it's this kind of catchy ballad anthem thing, I, as I sit here, even though I listened to this album like five times in the last couple of days, I 
can't even remember how it goes, but I do remember how motherless land goes. Um, it, it's just unfortunate because pretty much every other song we didn't mention falling down moths to a flame into dust are just for me, at least in one year and out the other a wash. And I think, I mean, I, I don't want to, to, to put the group down because I do, again, I think they're talented dudes. And I think there are a lot of people who will really enjoy this album. If this is like the type of music you live for, you're going to find a lot to, in, to enjoy. But if you're, if you're, if you're looking for something, maybe a little bit more creative, a little bit more passionate and honest, this is just going to come across as just dull. That's a yeah. bummer. And it, I, I, honestly, I think we, I go back to my opinion of it. I was, I was pretty bummed. But this not being a, a at least decent album, sure. Sorry, and I had never heard of him before. You recommended this, no. um, so this, this is my my first uh, uh, exposure to him. Yeah, but would you rate this one to ten? Okay, you know I I feel like I always repeat this whole my 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 rating scale is a five out of ten is middle of the road. Five out of ten on a quiz in school is an F. A five out of ten on the Ethan scale is a C, average. Mm-hmm. I give this album a four out of ten because um, while there were a couple tracks I, I liked and one that I really liked, um, well over half this album I don't care for at all. I, I I just felt like it was very forced. It was just we've heard it a million times. It was trying to fit the bill of this rock and roll punk sound, and it just didn't come across for me. So I have to give it a four out of ten because I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. How about you? I'm gonna say a three out of ten, oh, which is except again for the Nate scale. That's that's kind of low, and it's an it, even score. Look yeah, three. I, I just I didn't see it here. No, all right. You know, it just they didn't deliver in a lot of different areas. I I don't know what happened. You know, because you can't with this with an album when you make an album. There's the producer and there's the record label and there's a lot of different pushing forces that you have to deal with and. Hopefully they got influenced by that. And sophomore slump. Yeah, sophomore slump. That's a common thing. That's what I said when I saw it was their second album. I was like, oh, it's just a sophomore slump. Yeah, because I, I like what I hear. And there's there's other bands that very much fit this rock and roll bill. Like Wolf Mother is another band I I think is sort of in this niche. Yeah, they were comparable but, to them on Apple but Music. I, really like, like, wow. I like their music a lot. Yeah. And, and while, again, they're like this band, they're not doing anything particularly unique or progressive they're just doing what they do so well, and their songs are so much fun, and there's a certain level of honesty and ferocity with what they're doing that I, I have fun with it. But with this, I was just like, <sighs> yeah, no. And when you compare this to like old school Wolf Mother, like old the song school Woman, Wolf Mother, Woman from like seven years ago, yeah. Even their new because Wolf Mother had an album come out earlier this year called yeah. Victorious that was way better than this. Yeah. I thought because they bring a different dimension. Yeah, they're multi-dimensional. And this is very this is very one or two dimensional. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Wolf Mother. I just made my day, man. I love Wolf Mother. Wolf Mother's awesome. They sent me a free album when I was in high school. Ooh, look at you. Literally. My name's Nate. I have no, they're, Wolf they're like record album did, obviously. They didn't. Like a vinyl? No, like a CD. Oh. And they were like, oh, review this for your school newspaper. And I was like, who's what? Wolf Mother? Yeah. How did you do that? Because I was the music reviewer at my high school. Wow. And they, um, they sent me a free album. It was that and uh, the Polyphonic Light Spree. I don't know what the hell that is. You should look them up. They're like a 40-person like band. Music. 40 person band. So like They're, an orchestra? Yeah, it's like an orchestra type deal. The polyphonics, polyphonic spree. Well, polyphonic help. spree is, is, I believe, how it's pronounced. 
But yeah, Wolf Mother, their debut album, they sent it to me. I was like, these guys are awesome. It's a solid album, dude. Yep. But yeah, so on to our high-priority news items. Axl Rose, man. Axl Rose. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> singing for AC... This this is like sideways for me, but he's singing for ACDC. Yep. And there's I don't think there's you're any, you're you're a massive ACDC. I don't think there's fan. any original ACDC members left. It's like there's two. Oh my god! Because even their bat their the singer who he died and then yeah Brian was name Brian Brian Johnson Brian Johnson he had to step down. And so now it's Axl Rose, and then their bassist is not their original bassist or is it the drummer i think it's so confusing and now it's like well this is a joke so what okay all right so i mean i i like acdc but yeah. i'm not nearly on the level as you i'm you know i'm real into their classic albums and if you, they're ones that i gotta listen to like once a year or something to get pumped um yeah, I mean, this does seem like I think we, way out there. We mentioned, you know, Guns and Roses and, and and ACDC and some of these bands where you ask the question, "Is it better to burn out or fade away?" And you look at this, and for me, I just it's like just just hang it up, just retire. This does nothing but hurt your legacy yeah. as, a, as a classic rock and roll band. Because apparently he's ter- uh, that he started touring, and apparently he's awful, and he doesn't. Fit the the music at all, and and here knowing uh, Guns N' Roses and ACDC's music, I don't think his his style fits. Even if he was at his peak as a performer, it doesn't really fit. It's screechier. It's more high pitched. It's more conversational. It's less. You know what I mean? You know you you know ACDC. It just yeah. doesn't seem like it's quite he, the perfect fit. He doesn't have that type of because ACDC does have kind of a, a higher pitch, but it's much more of a firm vocal. Like very, you know, dominant, and he doesn't really have that. He doesn't have that way about him. And on top of that, he he can't move on stage right now because he's he had some foot surgery. So Even he's like he sitting. Could move. He's yeah, a, he's a bigger fella. He's a he's a portly gentleman. He is. But this is to me just just quit. Just stop doing concerts. It bums me out too because it's. I mean, these are bands I enjoy, and and yeah. seeing them, it just seems like they're just. They're, you know, to quote Gandalf, right? It's like, well, no, to quote Bilbo from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and <like>, Avengers. <laughs> 2.5. No, I'm talking Bilbo from Lord of the Rings, dude. Ian. OG. Uh, Ian Holm. Uh, it's like butter spread over too much bread. It's just like you're you're doing too much with very just little. Stop. Yeah. And I, I just, and the thing is, is I read the headlines, Axl Rose is, is the vocalist for ACDC, and I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. And then I looked it up, and I looked him up on Wikipedia, which is kind of the main source, and I looked at their former band members. Oh, huge. Huge long list, and I was like, that's not good. And then when you look at like at some of the founding members of that band. I haven't been there for 20 years. They're not. It's not, it's not ACDC. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to forget about all this. I'm going to go back to Back in Black. I'm going to go back to all their classic albums. And that's that's ACDC. This is not ACDC. So if you're going to a concert and you're paying $200, $300, I'm going to call you out and say you're wasting your fucking money because <laughs> this is a total cop-off of what you what you, what you you could get. And I'm going to go into this rant just one, one piece ahead, longer. Man. Do it. We saw Death Grips mm-hmm. live in concert, which is a band that has broken up multitudes of times. 
in, yeah. a, in a long history. They've been around for a little bit, you know, 10-ish ten, plus not, years. Eh, five or six. Five or six, half that. It's so not that long. But they, we saw the actual article in, in the flesh. That's priceless. That is what a, you should, that's how you should see bands, not... Well, cop offs. I think I think maybe with with some of these cl- these classic rock bands because ACDC is not the only band. Oh yeah, there's tons of other. There's lots of like Leonard Skinner is another band that has practically zero of the the founding members, and I don't think there's there's nothing wrong with that just because half their music is so timeless. But Leonard Skinner, you can see fairly cheap. I'm sure ACDC is trying to sell out auditoriums for two hundred dollars a pop. Yeah. And if you're going to have Axl Rose, who a lot of people dislike on a base level, fill in for the guy who is filling in for the guy and none of the other members are original, what are you paying people for? What are yeah. you charging people for? It's just... And what about... But Okay, so I think of ACDC and I think about um, one other classic band that I don't think they're touring anymore. But what about Rush? What about them? Are they, do they have three original... Or is there what? What's they their had deal? on their very first album? They had a drummer named John Rutsey, who left the band after one album. Neil Peart joined, and they recorded the rest of their albums. Neil Peart, Alex Lifeson, Geddy Lee, and so, they tour that way. Yeah, well, they're done now. I saw. Yes, or they did tour that way. There was only a span of a year or two where they had a different drummer, and Neil Peart, when he joined the band, he became their primary lyricist, their primary songwriter. Uh, they were Rush after Neil Peart, so yes, they were that, going. Yeah, if you like, you couldn't pay me to go see Rush without Neil Peart, Alex Lifeson, or Getty Lee. So I mean, there, and that's the thing is, I look at that, and they're taking advantage of people, flat out, no question about it. ACDC is just trying to skate off these last few years, and to me, I am, I'm disgusted. But at the end of the day. I have my core. So angry, guys. my core. Because I'm man. This is this I is wish like. Wish you could what see the fury in his eyes. Fuck them. Oh. Fuck them all. No, oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no. Oh, it's your favorite it's, band. It's Stop like, it. It, but don't don't break it up. Just call it like like Rush did. You know, call it quits. Yeah, you. Let's can't, just call it what it is. That, and, that would be like Neil Peart saying, "You know, I'm done," and then they find somebody else to do it. Yeah. What? I can't even fathom that. Nobody would go. Yeah. Ugh. See, and Journey did it with with the, yeah, the guy not, from the Philippines, but they lowered their ticket prices. Not, yeah, not just that, but Journey. Was, I'm, I don't care how many hit singles they had in the eighties; they were never on the, the level of a band like Rush or ACDC. Yeah, they had a couple. Journey has a couple songs you ever you hear every time you go out drinking at a bar. Rush, ACDC have great records, pinnacle, timeless records, pinnacle hits like the yeah. pillars of your yeah. I just please just quit. Just stop, please. It's a please. That's <laughs> a bummer, man. It, it, it bums me out. And you know what? Uh, maybe he's awesome. Maybe I don't know. I, I, I uh, I've never known an amazing vocalist that sits in a goddamn chair and just. Well, I mean, th- didn't he borrow the chair from Dave Grohl? I, I read that because on the, the the last world tour, Dave Grohl from you know Foo Fighters, when they went on tour, he busted his leg, but it wasn't just his foot; it was like his femur. It was like a real injury, and uh, he had to sit on a on the throne. And I I think that Axl Rose borrowed it and just repurposed it. Hmm. So, you know, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I don't think Axl Rose was ever meant to be the. I've never, and you know, I said it before, and I'll, this is a very unpopular sentiment, but I've never really liked Guns N' Roses that much. 
Neither. Even their album Appetite for Destruction, which people say is like one of the greatest rock albums ever, yawn. Not a fan. Boring. X Rose is a douche. We're biased here at Weekly <laughs> Yeah, Roses. I don't I've never been a huge fan of Guns N' Roses. Mm. Welcome to the Jungle, you can hear it once and wow, hey, that was a great song. Mm. I heard thirty other really good songs this week. Paradise City. Welcome to the Paradise City where the music is good and the singing is shitty. <laughs> that's that's that, that that's our that's our sentiment, but yeah, if you want to knock me for I don't I don't I do not know that there's anyone in our generation that's like a massive Guns N' Roses stan. Guns N' Roses just like they're ready to fight us when we say we don't like Guns N' Roses. Most people are like mm. I'm ready to fight someone if they say they don't like Death Grips. I hate Death Grips, dude. <laughs> all right what are you obsessed with right now this uh radiohead the band me too um because you know they just released their ninth studio album their band i've loved for a long time uh some of their albums are some of my favorite albums kid a okay computer even their most recent album before their new one the king of limbs is an album i was obsessed with for a while um it took him a while to get this one out, but it's not a disappointment. Um, and ju- they're just such an interesting band. Tom York is such an interesting uh, leading man, and just in terms of their sound and and, and the layers that, that they can build on in their music. Not just that, but like the the, the lyrical content, a lot of very uh, personal lyrics about introversion, about looking at the state of society and how people are. Um, you know, controlled by technology and just how I mean, you could, you could write a thesis on Radiohead and, and still on these skim the surface. And so they have a new album out and that's unbelievably exciting. Uh, so I've been listening to it pretty much on repeat other than, uh, you know, this album we talked about today and some other ones. Um, I just love the band and I'm pumped. They have a new album out. Yeah. So that's my obsession. How about and you? Is that well, yours too? Same, same boat. Oh, I really? listen to, I listen through it once okay so i'm gonna keep listening to it and that's kind of what i've been obsessed with is that a moon shaped pool yeah is the name of the new album but more so i'm more intrigued by their history and kind of reading through what they've been through as a band because it it just it's just crazy they're they're different they're cut from a different strand that's our album of the week next week just want to well we can talk about Everything for because yeah next week we're definitely going to be talking about Radiohead's new album A Moon mm-hmm. Shaped Pool, and I believe we decided the movie too. Could we talk about that? Yeah, let's do it. A movie called The Darkness, not the band. Yes, the film starring we've seen in starring Kevin Bacon. I don't know much about this movie. I saw it listed in the theater. I saw a couple of horror sites um, talking about it. It is a PG thirteen theatrical released horror film, so my expectations are pretty low. But um, you know. You know, here at Weekly Neurosis, we like to pick a theme or find how different movies and albums fit under that theme. And we and, and Radiohead's new album, A Moon-Shaped Pool, and really Radiohead in general, their music is very dark. Their lyrical content is generally darker-leaning, very introspective, so, somewhat pessimistic, maybe a little bit cautious about other people and everything. And I, I just felt like by by the title of this this film, The Darkness, that sort of goes hand-in-hand, hand, so we'll find a good theme to uh link the two right yeah we'll figure it out and i like i like doing this because it it makes you it ultimately if you think of a theme 
forces you into an area you're not necessarily comfortable with. Like the darkness. Don't know. I think we just discussed this today. Right. So it's, again, it's a new thing for me. We'll see what it's about. I think for us too, I think moving forward, we're, I think we're getting a little bit more organized on this podcast where we're striving to plan a little bit further ahead. So we know the album and the movie in advance because it's much harder to, like you just said, to pick a theme and then find two items that fit in it and easier to be like, well, Radiohead just came out with a new album. What's a new release movie? Preferably maybe an older release film because we're not opposed to talking about older movies or older albums. Uh, How can we find something, two different things, and find a a uniting theme that runs through them? Yeah. And I think think that's kind of the key is is doing that. But yeah, we're getting more organized. This beer was in the fridge before I even got home from work. Unlike last last week. Margaritas. Margaritas, bro. Because it was last minute, but that's okay. No, it's yeah, we're getting more organized. That's good too. Good I like stuff. I like this that we already know what we're doing next week, so we have more time to listen to the album. Because I, I mean, I like to listen to the to the albums, you know, a lot if I can, especially. But if to I like process it. it too is it takes especially a bit. something like Radioheads. That's all. Yeah, it's not an album you listen to once and you're like, I got it. Yep. Mm-mm. So yeah, uh, yeah. That's what we're hopefully going to be able to do. I think maybe we haven't talked about this. I'm sort of just springing it on you. I think maybe in the near future we should do another Obsessions episode. Yeah. Because those are always fun. Or I was thinking a Netflix pick of the week or pick of the month. Wouldn't be pick of the week. But just picking a random movie that's on Netflix that people Ah. can access. and. Like we did Beasts of Donation once. That's probably still on Netflix. Oh, for sure. Still, I mean, it's a Netflix movie, so I'm, yeah. And highly recommended, too, by the way. Yeah. Idris Elba. Dark we Tom. scored it pretty high. Yeah. I can't remember what I gave. I think I gave it an 8.5. I think so. it was on my top 10, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't have access to those documents. <laughs> is that the is that something you lost in your hard drive when that fried? No. Mm-hmm. Refried? Refried hard drive? What does that mean? <laughs> no, but it's, yeah, it, it was a good movie. It's a good one. I've been reading to watch it again, but uh, it's such a depressing movie. No. <laughs> I've been watching the Marvel movies. Just watched Thor last night. It was sweet. Sweet. And Thor was not in Civil War, by the way. Neither was the Hulk. BT Dub. If you've seen Age of Ultron. It Almost had sense. a plot spoiler there. Hashtag Han Solo dies. <laughs> Hashtag. Now there's a new Han Solo. We'll see. Uh, things are getting weird, man. Chill out, everybody. It's going to be cool. We going to make it. As I always say, and you can ask my mother, when I was a little kid, little tiny kid, I always said, it's all good. Did you really? Yeah. That's I was weird. really little, and she said that one time I was really little, and I said, it's all good. I used to wear cowboy boots when I was a toddler. Who who hasn't? That's like everyone has that cowboy boot picture. Well, shit! You just shot my story in the knee. Thanks, buddy. Maybe it's just us. Maybe we're the two kids who were wearing cowboy boots. Yeah, maybe everybody else is like, "What? These guys? What are the weird. hell? <laughs> no wonder they critique movies and music. No wonder why? Yeah, they sit in a grungy basement and drink IPAs. Talk about. To me, that's awesome. It is. It's a, I do. I do feel pretty cool. Every week, all the time. A cool white zombie poster. Okay, now we're just kind of talking. (laughs) All right. Next week, 
The Darkness. The Darkness. Not the band. The movie. The movie. Kevin Bacon. And Radiohead. A moon-shaped pool. Moon-shaped pool. Someday we'll have a moon-shaped pool. Mm. That'd be kind of weird. But anyhow, we'll be back next week. And once again, I'm Nate. And I am Ethan. And everyone, please, 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 please take care. And mention us on Facebook at Weekly Neurosis. Oh, yeah, that's right. Facebook.com forward Twitter. slash Weekly Neurosis. Twitter. Twitter. Twitter at Weekly Neurosis. Instagram at Weekly Neurosis. Watch Ethan forget what account he's using and post his personal shit on Twitter. In live action. <laughs> Nothing's more exciting. Watch me live tweet Thor. All right. It's been fun, everybody. Bye. Peace. Peace.